0: Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, I'm so happy you're here to join us today. We have a really special guest, Kathy Cooper. Kathy is a hidden gem, a senior Ashtanga teacher. She's a first generation student of david williams and nancy gilgoff who were her first teachers Uh, she started practicing in 1976 and david taught her all six ashtanga yoga series at that time they were a little bit different than they are now the postures arranged a little differently she began teaching in 2007 before that she was a school teacher teaching and also is a mother with a grown-up daughter now So she didn't start teaching until quite later in life after she retired from being a school teacher, but she practiced every day as a single mom, raising her child, teaching school. And so she has a really interesting... Um, story to share with you and some really beautiful insights about the practice and practicing daily consistently over a long period of time. So I know you're going to love this interview with Kathy Cooper, who just had her birthday uh, two days ago. So happy birthday, Kathy. We wish you a wonderful year. And I just want to jump right into it without further ado. Here's Kathy. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony, and I'm here with Russell Kay.
1: Good morning, Harmony.
0: Good morning, it's a, afternoon. It's actually afternoon. <laughs>
1: We're recording this and a uh, uh, tape delay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and our beautiful guest today is Kathy Cooper. Hi, Kathy. Hello. So it's, nice to connect. It's so wonderful you could join us.
1: Kathy, I I'm so excited you're you would come on the show with us. I have I have so many kind of kind of, um tropes from pop culture and and <laughs> uh uh l- literature that remind me of of what you're like. And I had this whole <laughs> Dune thing planned. I might get into that later. But um you remind me of reading um The Vampireless Stat by Anne Rice and how little astat is just making his way trying to figure his way out and trying to be a powerful vampire and he keeps discovering these incredible (laughs) ancient powerful vampires who have enormous powers and strength and vitality and like that's that you if you just pull (laughs) the veil back on the ashtanga (laughs) yoga community you like Oh, Louise Ellis, who's that? Or Dina Kingsburg or Kathy Cooper, another one? (laughs) There's another one of these these fabulously fantastic Ashtanga yoga practitioners who are still like incredibly vibrant and strong.
0: Powerhouse ladies. Powerhouse
1: ladies. I can't imagine (laughs) that it was like that when you were growing up.
2: Well, I'm from California, so I was always running around outside playing. Mm -hmm. wasn't that i was focused so much on particular sports it was a little different time i would say in the 50s Mm -hmm. i'm not saying there were there might have been little league i don't really know but (laughs) girls didn't do any of those things now always outside playing that's what i can tell you about growing up in terms of of seeing um uh I, I never saw anyone beyond beyond normal people my first <laughs> weird thing i saw on television one time was uh, dean martin and jerry lewis used to do some kind of a movies together i forget what they were yeah
1: talking. yeah yeah they were a duo and, yeah
2: and they were somewhere maybe in new york and and Jer- um jerry lewis mentions vegetarian about <laughs> this was a vegetarian restaurant oh. and it stuck in my mind like well i've never heard of anything like this right oh, i was yeah. maybe 10 or 11 but it was like it stayed with me it got my attention it's that kind of thing there weren't there may have been yoga studios around but not anywhere other than maybe new york or maybe san francisco it wow. was a really different time
0: yeah. yeah in the 50s i would imagine there probably was yeah. no so yoga 50s,
2: studios <laughs> right in the 60s is when um you know i was in high school mm-hmm. and you asked me about my mother and father right and they were young um my mother was tw- uh, 19 when she had me my dad oh, was 21 they were wow. married for 70 years before my wow. father that's but, incredible yeah that's and just what, like
1: your grand 70 years yeah. that's yeah. like your grandparents yeah. harmony
2: yeah my but grandparents. what's funny about it is i realized my mother gave me my first book on yoga Oh, Because when she was in her 40s, she had a career. She was taking a yoga course and learning about breathing and different things. And she gave me my first yoga book. Wow. It was from an Indian. I don't remember who. I don't think I have it anymore. An Indian man. And I tried doing these poses on my own. And then for a few years, I thought, I just really want to learn something about yoga. And so Hmm. going to Maui, was when i heard about these yogis coming. So,
1: well, how'd you how'd you get well i sh- maybe i shouldn't i should there's a big gap there between okay. you reading that book and going to maui is that right?
2: Yes, i was probably in my 21 22 when i received the book and i went to maui when i was 12. Oh.
1: Oh, I okay. thought it was like, maybe like when you were eight or nine, you, you got that book from your mom. No, no, no,
2: no. She was after high school.
1: After high school. In the
2: school. 60s when yoga started yeah. to
0: become. And I was living okay. in
2: Lake Tahoe. Okay. Oh, amazing. I think okay. I was married then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> time, you know, very different Sometimes
1: you have to go back and think, was I married then or who was I married to at that point? It's yeah. so
0: interesting. I think um, how some of these things like, like the first time you hear vegetarianism, and like how it like leaves an imprint on you, or yoga. And I remember I had a, like a similar experience. I was a little younger, but our neighbors were Seventh Day Adventists, and so they were vegetarian, vegan, um, and that was like unheard of, of course. <laughs> but I mean, my mother explained to me what it was. But <laughs> and they would like make their own soy milk. And mm-hmm. it was just very, and I was so int- interested. Their food always tasted so good, and mm-hmm. it really left like an impression, an imprint for me too. That I was like, yeah, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to. I want to just be vegetarian. I just want to eat good food.
2: <laughs> and Ten Talents Cookbook from them was one of the first vegetarian um, cookbooks, cookbooks that we all used. Yeah, on yeah. Wow. It was you know very basic in yes. terms of. Making your own soy milk. And early on, yeah, I had to buy powdered soy milk to make for my daughter because she wasn't doing well with milk. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was so you hard know, to and find. It like, and it wasn't like coming, I didn't get to choose it off the shelf. No, okay. no, it was it like impossible to find like milk right. alternatives, basically. Right. <laughs> we didn't even have yoga mats when I started. Yeah, that's incredible. So, you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: I remember I remember this um this this poem that one of my um, college teachers gave me by by Robert Lowell and I don't remember the name of the poem but it was um there was a line in it he was it was about a prisoner who was so vegetarian he wore rope shoes yeah. and it <laughs> took me forever to figure out what that meant like how what does that have to do with being vegetarian? He wore rope shoes. Like, was he eating the rope? You know, like, <laughs> it's like you would actually you would have to practice on that kind of stuff, like rope and and blankets. And like, I can't imagine trying bath to practice towel. on a rug, on a, a bath bath towel.
2: Yeah. Our first shawl a had down. a tap down, a tamp-down dirt floor. And okay. by the end of practice, every day it was uneven. But we started on. We started on bath towels, which, I mean, beach towels, which didn't really work well. And then David Williams came up with padding that went underneath. uh, Yeah, the carpet uh, underlay, right? And and they were big, like he even took one to India one time to with Guruji um, when he was still married to Nancy Gilkoff. And they're very cumbersome. I mean, it was like, yeah, (laughs) but it, it was a long time ago. Do you, then, do you
1: you remember that video or that film rather with Ayengar and Krishnamacharya mm-hmm. and they're on the big rug? Like I just can't imagine doing sweaty vinyasas on a on a rug like that. Like it just you'd be sliding around all over the place.
2: But think about this: in its own way, the big shala, which I guess now Sherrod has his own, but the big shala yeah. where he taught, he and uh, Gokulam and Gurji taught, mm-hmm. it had carpets all yeah. over it they were yeah. all uneven like yeah you put <laughs> yeah. your rug down or your mat down and one hand would be on one when there'd be knobbiness and people sweated on that stuff.
1: yeah yeah what they did like, gross so
2: it, yeah. i'm just saying that isn't even as long ago right as, yeah true. as to having those old rugs but mostly it was the woven cloth mats that i still use one on top of my um manduka Yeah, yeah, like the little Mysore rugs. Yeah, yeah. -hmm. Yeah.
1: So I want to, I want to get, I want to dig back a little bit, a bit deeper first. So your mom did a little bit of yoga, but that was later on. So did you have siblings? Were were, were you growing up in in Palo Alto?
2: No, no, I was born in Salinas, California. Oh, Salinas, yeah. And um, my father's family had been farmers, and um, but my grandfather was. Uh, assistant secretary of agriculture of California so oh, wow. Salinas Valley was the garden right you know, spot of yeah. California so they had um so I and I'm the eldest I had a brother and I have a sister my oh, sister brother 14 years younger and my brother passed away last year
1: oh I'm sorry
2: yeah yeah he had cancer so okay anyway um so there were the three of us
1: yeah and you and know were, oh go were on you, the, you were the wild one
2: I know it wasn't even mm. that you know what it was like think about I, tell me if this is your experience when i was young we saw no yoga i used to sit watching tv with my leg behind my head no <laughs> yeah. i could put my i'd go in lotus and i walk all over the floor i never yeah. saw this stuff so yeah. i I, th- I would say if I believe in reincarnation, then I must have been a yogi somewhere online because it just seems to be part
1: of Which one do you take after? Which one's the flexible one, do you think?
2: (laughs) I'd say it's my father's spirit, but probably my mother. She was raised in all natural food from the time she was born. And she's always been very, very healthy. Wow.
1: can you tell though which one has like the loose limbs like the one that's kind (laughs) of my
2: mother i think she was in her 80s her her great-grandchild used to hand her a jump rope and say "Gigi, jump rope and then she'd sit down and watch her oh (laughs) wow now my mother is moving she's 93 and she's moving very slowly i have to say but until Mm. a, a few years ago she was quite active and fit
3: wow yeah That's i'd amazing. say it'd be more
2: my mom but my dad was always strong and had a great sense of humor very mm. magnanimous human being so yeah. a lot of love yeah so i was okay. raised in a gentle home it was That's a kind beautiful home.
1: and yeah. and so the, the you kathy cooper at 12 what did you th- what were you like what do you how would people describe <laughs> you
2: i don't people would describe me but i was outdoorsy um i was a good student in school Uh i rode my bike everywhere you know Mm -hmm. my parents were young actually when i think about it yeah and um we had an easygoing household and there wasn't a whole lot going on let me tell you (laughs) i was not i had um a dear friend of the family who would bring me a renoir print Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, to special events in San Francisco but my parents until they were a little older my sister came along then they took her all kinds of places and went to lots of plays and you know know, the thing that my family did we were all we all read a lot Mm -hmm. so from the time I was very young reading was part of our thing you know it was just like it was a very um it was kind of a life that I guess from the time I was very, very little, friends would come by, I'd pack my suitcase and I was out the door. I was always (laughs) interested to see what was out there, what else Uh was out there. And when I went off to college at UC Berkeley, which was very close to where I lived, I was sort of like this, what else is out there? I know Uh you need to be raised in a nice family, you know, just a middle-class family, but there must be something else. So I was not interested in, you know, getting married and, going down that path at all even though i had to find out you know see what life had to offer i didn't really know i just knew that there had to be something else out there it was sort of like looking around over the fence to see what else is out here yeah
1: what what year was that when you went to berkeley
2: 1969
1: okay yeah. So as I was saying to Harmony earlier, that was right after the the Dune series was published, and um, and I and you remind me so much of these ladies in Dune.
2: Well, maybe I'll have in- to read it or watch the new one that's out.
1: The read, they have I think these. Read it. They, they have find these,
2: it.
0: really interesting.
2: Okay,
1: <laughs> it's a very. I think probably for the time, it was the intent was to be a very feminist book, with very feminist forward, very strong female leads who are really in control and dominating the powers that be in the universe at that time. And the and the one major factor, faction is the Bene Gesserits, who are like these. These witch commandos. If you if you if you combine the Catholic sisterhood with Texas barrel riders and surfers, you get a Bene Gesserit nun, and and they were kind of in control of the breeding of the of the universe, and right. so. Were, and and that's just you sound so much like that to me.
2: You know, I'd say I developed over the years of being in Ashtangi, but when I was in my early twenties. I moved to Lake Tahoe and I discovered the backcountry and backpacking and riding wow. my bike and hiking all the time right. and, and becoming a vegetarian and, you know, reading Seth Speaks, you know, mm-hmm. and starting to tune into these different things and even meeting people who'd been to India and kind right. of their lives opened up in a way that maybe they didn't even fully understand but they were quite different than mainstream people so i started meeting a few people you know it was just like it was this journey but the one thing i will say as i let go of things slowly it was nothing radical like i'm a vegetarian i just slowly changed i just didn't go back Um, do you know what i mean yeah there were people who were hippies and they were this and that. And then the next thing came around, they were real materialists when Reagan came in and right. they, you jumped on that bandwagon. Yeah. For and me, then they became Trump. I let go of yeah. old ways or embraced new ways of being that became part of who I was. Yeah. Right. And, and the yoga, I, I would say to this day was has been the most powerful teacher in my life. Wow. You know? And I don't just say Guruji because I learned everything before I met Guruji. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So tell us,
0: how did you, you're in Lake Tahoe, you're married at the time. What
2: drew you to Hawaii? Well, you know, were, you, this were, you, is, were you working again? in Tahoe? <laughs> yes. I worked for the telephone company as a service representative. I Knew I didn't like that. (laughs) Then I quit doing that, and I had my daughter with my husband. So now she's forty-six. She's my age. When I had, yeah. So when Mm. I had her, and after a certain period of time, he and I split up, and I then I began to deal twenty-one in the casino. Oh,
1: wow! I
2: was. It was very. I don't know. A lot of really great people at that time. A lot of travelers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They come and work for the summer, gather their money, and head off for the winters. But I had a child, so I couldn't quite do that. But yeah. so, but it gave me all day free. Right. Oh. And then i you go at in night. at night, and I worked nights, and then I started meditating. I got my TM meditation. Then yeah, yeah. Um, you know. So little by little, I was reading about fasting. Um, yeah. What was his name? He was very big about fasting. I should remember. But anyway, and did some fasting. I started doing those kinds of things. Hmm. So and my work, I earned plenty of money. So that was not a big issue. And then I had a lot of free time to be out in nature and to explore. And I just and with my meditation, I'd wake up and just sit right down on my Little man, oh. beautiful. And
1: and what so, was that practice of meditation that you're doing? TM. Was a TM? You would yeah. sit down and do your, your mantra. What was the mantra you had? She's not oh, allowed to tell did. anyone. Well, no, no, no one, no one ever tells us their TM. No one's
2: allowed to tell. It's but what's tell really you, weird I'll tell you mine
1: is... if you tell me yours. No.
2: <laughs> I don't know why, but I didn't do it for many years. I got into vipassana and different kinds of things, yeah. but I recently took it up again. Yeah. So I'm actively having a TM meditation
0: mm. practice, which is really simple. Yeah. What? Tell me. I'm. I, I want to. I'm just going to go off on a little tangent here. Russell hates it when I do this. But.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's, but I'm so. Don't, I'm curious. You do the questionnaire, like, <laughs> so you're always on a tangent. So.
0: When, uh, <laughs> what's your experience of? Because I also practiced TM. There was um, Narasimha Shri's cousin brother who was very close to the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. Yogi. Um, He was doing some initiations for people in Mysore. So back in 2004,
1: we all got our mantras. Yeah,
0: we took the initiation and got a mantra. And so I was doing TM for quite a while, too. But then also switched over to Vipassana. And, you know, was mainly do Vipassana now. but every once in a while, I'm, I sort of think about TM. What's, what has been your experience, like going through that whole circle?
2: Well, what I find interesting is that when I learned it, I never once, it was before computers. So there Mm -hmm. was, there was, I never once ever connected back up with the movement. Right. I had my mantra and that was it. So Mm -hmm. I meditated twice a day. And then now as I've decided to pick it back up again, 15 minutes a day. And it really is very both effective mm-hmm. and time-saving yeah. <laughs> thing. So some years ago, I used to be in a teacher's group with Sarah Powers and a lot of really great yeah. yogis who lived in this area. Yeah. We met for about 15 years and we'd always meditate. And the thing that she always said was, 24 minutes get you there. So Amazing. we would always meditate before we began our sharing for 24 minutes. Wow! But I have to say, I did a 10-day Vipassana retreat mm-hmm. um, on Maui, and I knew everyone there. People yes. were so naughty. I could not believe it. <laughs> I wasn't, but I was like shocked how many people were cheating, not in the room necessarily, but outside of there. There were people running away and coming back. I found out some of this later. Wow. anyway. <laughs> I managed to stay focused, but yeah. it was very powerful experience and yeah. I never wanted to have to do it again. I wanted yeah. to get the message. Um, I know some people go on these all the time. For me, yeah. it was like, learn what you need to learn. Cause I do not want to spend 10 days yeah. sitting like that, even though it was very powerful. Yeah. I, I felt the same
1: harmony did like seven or eight of them. I've done <laughs> one and I was like, yeah, I get it. And, um, <laughs> I also almost got kicked out uh, <laughs> because I wouldn't stop exercising.
2: Well, I started doing a little ashtanga in my room during when we got the time off <sighs> because I feel you needed it. I think yeah. that was the mistake that they uh, did. Oh, yeah.
1: I was Maybe getting into so much trouble. They were getting the t- the teaching assistants were so <laughs> mad because I was always doing the splits or doing a handstand or in the bathroom. I got caught doing capotason in a closet. And it was just like <laughs> relentlessly in trouble. You must
2: not have had much room because we were spread <laughs> out on this place called Akahi Farms, and I was in this big room with some other I don't remember who. Yeah, and um. At first, I just go on my break and pass out because you know we were up at yeah. four in the morning every, and they didn't want us to eat in the evening, yeah, even yeah. though the food was very light. And I was like, <laughs> "Oh my God, I have to have something. This is too much." It was a bit. Uh, it was all a bit much for me. But when I'd go to nap in the room, no one else ever came in there. So eventually, yeah, when I started feeling like I had a little more energy, mm-hmm. I was practicing something because <laughs> yeah. I thought this is. Not it. Although there was so much unwinding going on,
1: there yeah. was a lot.
2: Of, it was a lot of release anyway. But yeah. It
1: was funny. Well, I didn't mean to interrupt Harmony earlier. How? So you've got a you've got a child, you've got a job, and you've got a husband, and then husband now. Well, I don't know. You yeah, went but to she, Maui. You, so what you,
2: happened was, <laughs> I was with him for five years and I grew a lot and I just grew out of the relationship. And what happened is I met these people from the East coast and they were vegetarians. They rented the house behind me through my help, and they'd come and put a big pot of chamomile tea on my stove, or they were using Dr. Bronner's to brush their teeth. Wow. I everything. And they were doing yoga and sewing everything in me. (gasps) Oh, And I <laughs> it like this
1: oh he didn't so like that was it. the
2: beginning yeah, of the end and what then, kind of
1: job did he have he was square uh, he
2: was a graphic artist and he oh. owned a printing shop so it was all pre he wasn't too
1: square no. no he
2: was himself but he was not on the heart path yeah, I
1: didn't he, was, know. he
0: wasn't into it
1: wow. and
2: i was for a few years kind of like something in me was like I knew I needed to develop my spirituality. I just wasn't quite sure. Yeah. So I didn't get my med- my mantra till after I left him. But okay. the way I ended up in Hawaii, like I said, at that time, there was no online anything. You know, no. it's not like you would just see an ads and I didn't have television for mo- a lot of my adult life. So mm-hmm. from the time I was 19 until, um, well, I've still, I, only in the last couple of years have I even owned one yeah I didn't have one all that time but every now and then I'd see an ad for Waikiki so I wasn't drawn mm-hmm. to go to Hawaii which I thought of as Waikiki but I had right. three <laughs> dreams over a period of a year I think it was about a year's period when I was living in Lake Tahoe discovering TM and all this great people yeah. and vegetarianism and all this stuff And I had my daughter and, you know, just having my life. And I had three powerful dreams that weren't like a regular dream. Each one, like I ended up swimming to Hawaii. It was like I was, I would say now if I described it, I would call it more like astral traveling. Mm -hmm. And after I had, by the time I had the third dream, my daughter was, had spent her first winter in the snow. Lake Tahoe used to get a lot of snow all the time. Yeah. Maybe they still do. And she was one year old. She couldn't stand up. She couldn't keep her mittens on. She was like flipping over all the time. So I realized, well, this next winter, we're going to go to Hawaii. Yeah. Well, so I went to Hawaii to the big island with uh, somebody I worked with for three weeks or two weeks or something. And then I decided I'd be going back to Kona. I didn't know anybody, but a couple of people I worked with said, Hey, we're going to Maui. We'll pick you up at the airport that's how unprepared i was you had a little bit of money and then i had not that much but i had money and off we flew to hawaii (laughs) and my friends picked us up and then i rented a place for a month that i i felt at the time i couldn't afford to keep living there so then i found out this was in lahaina i found out about an apartment house
1: i've spent a lot of time there in lahaina
2: yeah well it was the uh what was it called the shores I forget it's a green building right on the ocean kind of way down
1: that's where Mick Mick Fleetwood of Fleetwood Mac lives
2: in those apartments in Lahaina yeah yeah I've met him him with um, my partner but anyway so I stayed there for a month then I put my name on this list and the woman the manager said it takes six months to get in here Meanwhile, they closed all the beaches. All these hippies were living on all the beaches, Maui, oh, right. and they closed them. Yeah, all understandable. All of a sudden, there were no places to live. And I got somehow a call. I must have. I don't know where I was staying. I got a call, and I got to move in. Oh, amazing! Um, they put me ahead because I had a child. I didn't know. Oh, that that's so nice. So <laughs> immediately, all everybody I knew wanted to stay there, and so pretty quickly. We got that sorted out that that wasn't going to fly. Right. 15 people
1: <laughs> weren't going to make it. Yeah.
2: yeah. And that's where um, David and Nancy came from Encinitas. Yeah.
1: But how'd you meet them?
2: So what happened is I heard about these yogis and I had decided to go with my daughter back to California because I didn't know what I was doing. I was, you know, I'd been there six months or something. And just oh. as I had already made my plan to go back, I heard these yogis coming from Encinitas. Well, these yogis. <laughs> That's like for you,
1: person. right? Yeah. Well, what
2: <laughs> happened is I already had my ticket to go back, but I was back again within five months having gotten more resources. Right. Can and, I just
1: um, ask you, if I, if I just interrupted that point, yeah. how can you take your daughter with you to Maui away from your husband? Was it just, those were different times I and the custody was different?
2: It. I just did it. I realized it could never happen now.
1: Right. You yeah. just did it. He okay. came
2: to visit and she yeah. started spending some period of time with him. He lived in Lake Tahoe at a certain, when she was a little bit older, she started mm-hmm. spending some summer or whatever with him. Yeah. But yeah. at the time, it just wasn't, I didn't ask him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just <laughs> a different time. I don't know how else to say it, but it yeah. Was. Okay. So I, and I was working on a boat in Lahaina going to the island of lanai so that was my job and on
1: you, you would drive a the boat
2: on a pardon
1: you were fishing you were driving no, the boat no no. You were...
2: no 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 it was a tourist boat going to, to lanai every day it was okay. before the hotels were built there so we'd go over and in the morning i'd serve them coffee and yeah, little, you know coffee cake then they'd go on a bus <laughs> tour of the pineapple because it used to be dull pineapple there right. and then i'd be on the beach with my crew members for about an hour and a half then they'd start the grill and they'd grill hamburgers and i would cut up pineapples yeah just, you know as if i was the native cutting up the pineapple <laughs> so i w- i think i had pictures taken with people from everywhere in the u.s it was so funny anyway and then during that time i started yoga Mm -hmm. and because david and nancy and first i started with nancy in the park because they didn't have a shala so she would teach me first surya namskar
1: do you remember like meeting her like walking up to her in the park did you call her first? what
2: happened was it was david williams that i met and i asked I said, I wanted to do yoga with him. And he said, well, you're on the list. And um, I remember I was holding my daughter on my hip. He goes, don't hold her that way. It's going to put you out. I remember, oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Right.
2: and he said, when you get to come it'll be $50 a month and you come six days a week and you don't miss and blah, blah, blah. But in the moment, what? but when we started I was with Nancy. So I guess I don't remember how I met her because she wasn't with David when I'd see him in the grocery store.
1: Okay, yeah. <laughs> I
2: don't remember. So I met her at the park that was right by the harbor. And I remember learning from her pose by pose, just one oh, a day. One and a so day. what happened by the time I was in Asana, this man, Forrest, had built on this property, all these little shacks people lived in down the road called 1010 Front Street. Front yeah. Street was the main um, street right on the ocean. They He built this little plastic, what do you call it? This queen, you know, that stuff you could put on your windows? Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah like a,
0: like kind of like a yurt, like a makeshift yurt or something. Sort
2: of, only not quite as <laughs> nice as a yurt. You know, yeah, <laughs> and it had a dirt floor and it had these kind of junk called wattle trees. I don't know if you know what those are. So it's just pieces <laughs> that made this... Framed place, right. and then we had a separate room for resting. Okay, so when I was invited into that, uh, they at the time Maui was very manana energy. David said, If you're not here at 8 30, which is when it started, you can't come in. <gasps>
1: oh, oh, man, did
2: that bring people's stuff up? But anyway, I was, <laughs> I was thrilled to be there, and I remember. I remember just learning pose by pose by pose. And within a month, I knew primary. And it wasn't like in Amari Chasana D. At first I'd fall over. if Even though I could bind, I couldn't stay up.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah. And that wasn't an issue. Once, mm-hmm. I knew the, I, once I knew the poses by heart, and we didn't have near the vinyasas. And it wasn't done the way certain ones are not done the way in the konasanas the way they are now they Is were this, all connected oh Is this like the like, rolling
0: back and the rolling we started forward Started
2: rolling on back we came up for yeah. five and then we went down for five oh, and yeah. we came back and jumped through yeah, yeah. that's so, how
0: i i've initially learned primary too because uh david williams was actually i think he was the first teacher i ever did prim- full primary series
2: with and he was teaching the old way yeah yeah so yeah and nancy gilgoff teaches a lot of i know yes. she teaches advanced the way we learned it which i loved. yeah
1: <laughs> so. so this is like 77 78 is that when this was
2: 76 77, 77. yeah so once we knew the primary series by heart we began being taught second series right
3: mm-hmm.
2: so what happened was i re- all i remember is learning it and adding it on i don't remember separating the the uh series yet mm-hmm. but there came a time when i got to Tt titibasana because i could ask when i was ready for another posture it wasn't yeah. like they told me yeah. I, mean, I could say okay but i got to basana and the way we did it i think is a little different than they do it now we had a lot of five uh, count holding
1: yeah that's and stopped in end. like
2: 2004 2005 yeah right so obviously for my own practice i still do it that way because yeah smell. of course <laughs> but um once we i got to there i stayed for a while and then mm-hmm. i learned the rest of second series and we were told to practice they david and nancy went back to india david swenson took over for him for a couple right of years. yeah it was 19 so yeah was <laughs> really a different time yeah so we practiced and it was all very sweet then david and nancy said You practice primary one day, second the next, back and forth, not all together, for two years, and then you come back. Now, none of us who learned and started together were in communication, because you didn't make long-distance phone calls then. Right.
1: You couldn't text.
2: (laughs) We wrote a few letters, but not much. But in two years, all of us ended up on Maui within a week of each other without any communication and david and nancy had just started teaching again one week before wow. and then we learned advanced and they Amazing. taught us teaching. and david nancy actually wasn't as advanced as david so she learned uh what we called advanced day which is mm-hmm. three and four she learned that with us and then david would teach us to teach um he would do his practice while he would tell us about teach learning to teach people. And then he would uh, teach us.
1: Can I, can I ask you a question about your impression of them at the time? I I would have thought that they would have been kind of electric, a little kind of very different from the squares on the street, or even like the manana energy hip, like hippies that are on the street, like something really, unusual about them and i wondered if you ever if you registered that at the time at at that time that your impression of them what was that like
2: i would say at the time from the very beginning of learning the practice i would bless them every day it was totally outside of my experience but i had great gratitude for them for teaching Mm. nancy didn't teach with much personality Mm -hmm. she was just kind you know she was a little um it wasn't about personality. This was mm-hmm. not a personality experience. Right. David at the time wasn't uh, thinking that much about where he was coming from. He was just doing, meaning by that, that he didn't analyze his thought. He didn't talk a lot. We barely got together. Uh, we'd have dessert Etarian uh, gatherings every now <laughs> and then because David liked desserts. So of course you can only <laughs> imagine, all very natural. Yeah. And then we'd sit around and nobody would talk. It was so boring. I can't tell you how boring. <laughs> but it was. I think they were figuring it out. Right. Mm-hmm. Plus, they were studying a lot, especially David. I know for sure read a lot. Mm-hmm. They lived as a Hindu couple. Whatever the Hindu precepts of a married couple were. Right. Wow. They, um, uh, uh, you know, Nancy cooked dinner. I wasn't in on their. I didn't live with them or anything. I wasn't in on their... I always gathered with them, but I wasn't in on a personal basis with them. But one time David revealed something to me and it's just like I saw him light up. I'm not kidding. And he was an amazing teacher for me. And he told me later, he never taught anyone the way he taught me, which I can't really quite tell you right now what that means because... You know, it's my source of style. So yeah. he was teaching me the way he was teaching me, yeah. which was to carry me through third series. Right. And then it Whoa. all revealed itself. Yeah. And you know wow. what's amazing? I never got injured. Oh. No. It was, I was never in pain. Mm-hmm. That's great. The way we practiced, I was young, but it wasn't just that. There was something, mm-hmm. our whole lives revolved around it. Mm-hmm. We didn't really work much i mean we lived off the fatherland of it was before there was a national debt i think yeah. it was very easy to get by we get yeah. our clothes out of the free box. Right. right we had places to live but it was not any it was very simple it right. was very simple I wanted.
1: i wanted to ask definitely. you about that because our our experience or at least for me harmony was really wrapped up in this kind of achievement mtv generation and it seemed to me that when i came to the practice especially when i got to india it really v- became very much about you know what i could do and show off and changed the way that i practice and i became much more driven and then i started getting hurt a lot yeah but that was because yeah. of me i thought and so i'm wondering well, if like, it, well, wait if for what you what were your
2: teachers doing <laughs>
1: rewarding me for achievement
2: <laughs> you know how grateful i am that it wasn't like that we all mm. felt this natural commitment hawaii was way far away from everywhere yeah, really. yeah. i out, think it still is miles away <laughs> from the mainland we were doing our yoga we were mm. very dedicated but it wasn't i i learned to allow i learned mm. to open i learned mm-hmm. david's biggest teaching was mulabanda and the breath Mm -hmm. and uh and everything else you know we didn't do much with alignment Mm -hmm. I started asking those questions but I I never got hurt I never got hurt Mm -hmm. and most I was thinking about my good friends that I practice with regularly all we talk about afterwards with yoga yeah (laughs) yoga world and we'd read you know all these books mm-hmm. about because there weren't a lot of books out, but like Swami Rama's, the Himalayan Masters. Yeah, that was a good one. That, I forget all of those books that be were here about. now. <laughs> oh yeah, well that I read before in 1969. Yeah. Before. I yeah. any of that. So it was just like the all the masters of the Far East. You know, we were tuning into this very different world. And we were in our own, as time went on, within our own kind of group of Mm -hmm. people that we hung out with to some degree. But it wasn't until later, I realized how deeply connected we were because of the practices we shared, not because we hung out with each other necessarily at other times Mm -hmm. of the day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like Danny Paradise was part of learning when I was there. As you're, we weren't you know great friends early on yeah. but as years have gone on we see each other and it's this very deep connection you know yeah. what I'm saying yeah. we totally. had this connection through the practice. We didn't have a lot of intellectual uh, uh, trips put on us and when mm-hmm. Guruji first came to Hawaii to teach us in 1980 I think yeah he came for two months. Yeah, amazing. And because I was in a relationship with David Williams at that time, he and Nancy had mm-hmm. broken up, had nothing Excuse me? <laughs> I was with David for two years. Just so, threw that in there.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious me. Okay.
2: So <sighs> it was a long time ago. We were doing it. We do advanced every day together. Yeah. You know, it was just this. We, he taught me to play chess. We play chess every day. Our lives yeah. were very simple. We'd swim in the ocean.
1: But you don't and, have any. Uh, oh, yeah. I just read his autobiography.
2: He has an <laughs> autobiography?
1: Yeah, he just, he fucking, pardon my language, he swims every day.
2: I know. Every
1: page of that book is him going for a swim in in Yugoslavia or Turkey or India or Maui. He's like, yeah, and I went for a swim.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, he used to swim a certain amount of breaths. Oh, uh, amazing. But I don't know what it has life went on, but oh. I don't know. You don't that, have any
1: children by a very,
2: No, you know, he has one son, Zaj, but we yeah. didn't have a child together. Oh, okay. But he was around my daughter and yeah. uh, she was the only, he would, she would say, David's the only one that can adjust my neck. Aww. David, we used to adjust each other. We all learned oh. to adjust each other years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was very different. You have to understand it was he he and nancy had separated gurji was still very traditional Mm -hmm. we're in a room with about 50 or more people gurji marched right up to me put me in Asana. this is oh no cold
1: no you could break your knees and
2: then (sighs) watch me spring out of it but you know what otherwise every day we rode with he and ma to yoga and i i got to know them well and he was very sweet but it was very confusing for them at first the way everybody was so casual and yeah yeah
1: and very attractive to manju
2: (laughs) manju wasn't there Mind you, in California.
1: Yeah, he was in California. Yeah, but I think he w- he looked at that lifestyle and said, "Yeah, I don't want to live with my oh, parents." Oh yeah, yeah.
2: Oh no, no. <laughs> right. He stayed. He stayed the first trip. This was the second trip when I right. Was
1: yeah.
3: There. Oh, yeah.
2: So I didn't yeah. meet because I left Maui just right when they were coming, and came back five months later. I missed the first. Um, mm-hmm.
3: Season Wait, ben yeah, ben yeah.
2: In there. You're right, though. Manju was like, I don't know about Yeah, him. So he left, and moved to California early yeah. on, and yeah. I don't think, I don't know. Maybe they visited him in California after that. I don't really remember. Know right. how the relationship developed, right. but for mm-hmm. a long time, Manju was kind of low key. Yeah, and then in more recent years, he's become a real traveling. teacher and an
1: exponent of the traditional he's a he's a jewel yeah i I love i've met
2: him a few times but i don't i can't say that i i know him
1: he in those quiet times he made a good business by buying cars on the streets of encinitas uh and they were really dusty and dirty and beaten up and he'd go and he'd wash them and then sell them and mark them up 20 percent Good and friend. that's how he that's how he made his <laughs> living
2: isn't that interesting yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's i know understood. the woman that married him so she could stay in the country so in the oh country.
1: gary right. lapidota's girlfriend is yeah. yeah. oh, really the
2: mother of four of his children so yeah as well <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah
2: yeah so she yeah. married him and so that he could stay in the country yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, that was all very early on. You know? Yes.
1: Yeah. Again, different,
0: different government.
1: times. <laughs> I think he had to, I think you had to pay a surcharge to Gary for that privilege. <laughs> Maybe so.
2: when he was one of the early on guys who went to India, I had yeah. a child. And at that time it was very unsafe. Right. You know, yeah. People got dysentery. Yeah. yeah. People got sick then when they went to India. Yeah. Right. Call it whatever you wanted, but it wasn't, we didn't no. have grapefruit seed extract. and <laughs> Right. Yeah, so people that's got hepatitis. A, you know, yeah. Stuff. So I didn't feel I could go. And I wanted to, of course, but I had a young child. So, right. But then Guruji used to come in a mosque. They used to come a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really and like a blessing that they it. came
0: to the States so much.
2: At the time. Yeah. And then they became, there was more demand as years went Right. Ago, right. You know, so...
1: So right around this time, Jefferson Airplane is turning into Jefferson Starship. <laughs> what are you what are you doing for work in the, these transitional periods into the 80s? What um, how are you like, I went to working? I moved
2: to England for two years and became what? a Steiner teacher? I what? W- became a Waldorf teacher. Wow. Really? Um, yeah, so I did that for 15 years.
1: You probably taught Guy Donahay. <laughs> no, but in the-
2: Guy and I guy came to sri lanka when i was teaching there yeah. oh yeah and practiced for a week uh, yeah. with me and my assistant jacob and um he we discovered that he went to Waldorf school so yeah that's right so interesting you know yeah. we had a lot of points of connection i even taught for him in new york when he was traveling once oh in 2015 cool.
1: okay yeah when wow. he still
2: had his, Inshallah. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, were you a Wardol- Waldorf, Waldorf
0: teacher in England or you came back to the state? No,
2: the only thing I did in England with it was I started teaching gardening when I was in the training. Yeah. I couldn't wow. be indoors all the time. I started feeling like I, so right. I started volunteering at the garden. And so, they offered me the position to be the gardener at the end of that year. I didn't know that much. I was just learning. Right. And I got, gee, am I going to stay in England? What am I doing? So I came back to the U.S. Was
1: your daughter with you in England when you went over there? Wow.
2: And she had wonder, she liked the kids there a lot. She thought they were were less um, persona. They were natural.
1: Oh, yeah. You know,
2: the boys admitted they liked girls in sixth grade as opposed to like tripping them and knocking them over. Right. They favored (laughs) them. (laughs) Yeah. yeah it was a wonderful it was a wonderful experience being there it was really oh, nice. everything was a lot easier early on i i realized i'm sorry i didn't go to india yeah earlier than i did wow because you know i could have gone in the summers when i was teaching walder but i always felt the need to rejuvenate and i didn't know if going to india later after right. going i went hmm, i might have enjoyed being there for a couple months you know, right just for the contrast yeah
1: so did you come back to California or to Maui from England?
2: From England, um, I came back. Was, it, was I living in California at that time? I, I may have come back to California, but I went back to Maui. No, okay. no, no. That was after. My daughter went to kindergarten at Haleakala School on Maui, and that's how I discovered the Waldorf.
3: Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay.
2: And then after a while, I started looking into it and I went there. So where did I come back to? I hate to say <laughs> it. So oh, I came back to California, to Marin County. Yeah. Actually, okay. where I hadn't lived before. But Jack Cornfield, who is this wonderful teacher, he now has Spirit Rock. Yes. Well, he teaches right. teach at a church and Fairfax. Oh wow. And I just thought he was so wonderful. Sure. And yeah. so he was one of the main the, reasons I the wanted legend. to legend. And I did a lot of Vipassana training, little, you know, short trainings with him. He was a very wonderful man. And even until before COVID, I would go out sometime on his Monday nights. He's kind of retired. He's sort of around, but not as... You know, COVID kind of, a lot of things shifted during mm. this time, and they're not necessarily the same anymore. Yeah. By that I mean I knew he was taking some time off. He'd he'd married, yeah. Or she's a girlfriend? I forget a, te- a big teacher from Southern California, mm-hmm. Vipassana Center yeah. teacher. So I don't quite remember what mm. exactly happened. Yeah, with him, but he was very influential, and I was around through the out the whole building. Wow. Uh, uh, but then I did go back to Maui for a period in between. I left. Okay. California at a certain point taught at Haleakala school on Maui.
1: So you were teaching the whole time as a kind of a career. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Since I used to teach yoga, uh, when I was in Marin, I taught four days a week at the school on Friday, they had nature day all day oh, for eight nice. years. It was really powerful. I have to say.
3: Yeah.
2: And, um, during that time I began to teach on my day off privately. Okay. And then the people, John, um, and Leah Berlinski. Oh, JP.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leah. JB. Yeah, so Leah Watkins, still yeah.
2: teaching. Leah's not now, but before she was up until the pandemic got yeah. going. But um, they were teaching. And then I used to teach for them when they'd go away and stuff. But it got to be when I had my summer off. I didn't want to have to get up early every single day and teach. Yeah. You know, I'd want, I was more interested in practicing (laughs) because I should always practice. I would get up at six. I had to very, for 15 years, I led a very disciplined life. Mm -hmm. I could not teach and be healthy if I didn't do my practice and be, you know, vibrant. And I had to go to bed early so that i wouldn't be tired and grumpy for the children plus i had to get up early so right. i lived a very focused life for many years and what it was for my personal practice i had already developed my practice i was i did advance some but it was less at that point but what i did was i worked i just was what's real what is the balance here mm-hmm. what i worked with my mind and i work with samskara very throughout my whole, all my forties, it was, mm. and all my friends were teaching. Yeah. Yeah. My, and I kept saying, well, they don't, I don't need to be out there teaching. Everybody's teaching. What do I mm-hmm. need to be out there for? And, but the truth was I was still digging deeper to mm. see what it was for me. And it was a profound, profound. I, by the time I taught, I'll just end with this and then go on. By the time I did teach full time, I didn't get, I, I had already established my practice for so long that it didn't make me tired. Mm -hmm. I could be my practice. I could teach. Yeah. Uh So I'm only mentioning that because I recognize I didn't full on teach until I was 60. I didn't not full on. I taught over the years here and there, but I didn't as a career because you know, I was teaching children and Mm -hmm. I was, um, practicing. Yeah.
1: I want to, I want to get into that a little bit because I, I really wanted to get you to teach for us at the Joyce Foundation. And, but, (laughs) but one of the things that I, I discovered on, um, on your website is that you, you've really, you really did do a lot of interesting work and you were, you had studied Sufism, uh, shamanism, Now, I wonder if you could you could tell us a little bit about you know, what you learned from those different techniques and how they supported your practice.
2: Well, you know, these things came along in life. I mean, I did a lot of workshops. I went back to school at Evergreen College in, uh, Olympia, Washington, where I was living for a while, and all these, I, I took a course called, Is There a Healer in the House?, and all we did was have meet all these healers from mm-hmm. all over the country. And then I do a workshop for a couple of weeks in Montana with this woman that could see 120 something colors around everything and had nature <sighs> spirits with her. And we do all this karma cleansing. And I did all these different, I was introduced to many different things mm-hmm. and it was a really powerful time along with doing my practice. Mm -hmm. right so I had that going on and my daughter was young still and so she was there and then when I moved to Mill Valley uh a parent Mm -hmm. in my class
1: where JB was yeah
2: you know was studying plant spirit medicine and actually I was invited to be the teacher but I hadn't been when John ended up coming in but Mm -hmm. I knew I ended up taking the teaching position because Mm -hmm. I had a child and I needed to have a a regular yeah. income at that mm-hmm. point, which yeah. it turned out the yoga would have maybe been fine, but it felt a little bit, little yeah. precarious for me in that moment. So anyway, so I met them early and Leah was just a student at that time. Initially. Oh, when you've been yeah. around a long time, a lot of the relationships, yeah. how they, how they develop. But yeah.
1: I think I got off track with what you were Well, you were um you were talking about oh, um, I- work and then being introduced to Sufism and then shamanism, all these yeah, different healers.
2: I when I lived on Maui, we used to do Sufi dancing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was really playful. And then sometimes there would be kirtans. And then mm-hmm. I went to Sufi camp a few times. <laughs> Sufi um, camp. Yeah for two weeks at a time. So the women would learn parts, the Mm. men would learn parts. We do all of these zickers and all this stuff. And then like we were on the big island in the saddle between Montelay and Monaco I think, you know, up at 19,000, I think we were way up there. Mm -hmm. I can't remember exactly, way up high. And we prepared for this, full moon gathering Mm -hmm. and these these uh whirling dervishes came from uh um oahu and so here we were drumming we did our parts we had never done it all together it was like i felt like the building went away and we were under the stars the drumming there was a fire it felt so timeless it was like and then we had darshan with the teachers
3: yeah i
2: had you know amazing experiences with that but also from having done the yoga for so long, but also I think in a very safe way, I always think mm-hmm. this, the way that we were taught, you didn't learn Pranayama till you can sit in Lotus for 40 minutes, you know, right. mm-hmm. all of these kinds of, it wasn't a hurry, but at the same time we were moving,
1: mm-hmm.
2: we weren't held back either mm-hmm. at all. But with all of that happening, I went to this chiropractor one time and he said, you know, your Kundalini has risen. And I've had different people tell me and I under I recognize it now from not a place of having had just some blowout, but Mm -hmm. I have now I recognize it's happened at least for sure three times. Mm -hmm. But the Darshan was one of them with the Sufis. It was so people who are really in this energy, they've got the energy going. Things happen and resonance happens and mm-hmm. stuff opens. And I think because for so many years, it's like strengthening the nervous system, focusing on the spirituality. Life was a little more simple. Yeah. It wasn't about promoting. You know what I'm saying? Right, or, totally. it. Yeah, it was something different was happening. But when I moved to Mill Valley, of this woman who she and her husband have sensed, they're some of my dearest friends, their daughter was in my class. She had been into shamanism for some years, but not psycho, um, uh, not psychotropics, just journeying. Mm-hmm. I had had a judgment about it, but through getting to know her and working with her, I learned how to journey. I learned mm. how to find my power animal. I learned things. I realized it was the oldest healing method oh. in the world. And so I felt connected to, you know what I'm saying? So all these things developed not like I want to find out about shamanism.
1: Right. It
2: things happened a little bit more organically. organically yeah. How
1: how do I find my spirit animal?
2: You, I, I believe I'm not saying that it helps if you journey with someone, oh. and they, it can be with drumming, hmm. and okay. then it takes you into this space. I did have my I, I taught in Scotland at Eco Yoga, and I had this couple come. Her husband is probably the most amazing chiropractor in the world he does all different kinds of stuff but he even worked on the international level with olympic people during the olympics Mm -hmm. and she does shamanic work and she's an acupuncturist so she did journeys with us Mm -hmm. we kind of built up to it and she did do journeys with this group that i was with for a week and that was and that was something now some people can't go down the first time i mean or can't go they Mm -hmm. can't It takes sometimes more preparation, but I had a great journey. Even though it had been a long time. So yeah, Yeah. I have explored many things. And unlike some of my friends, they didn't think if you were doing yoga, this was a lot on Maui, that you needed to do anything else. You know, a lot of stuff can come up for people. And what is the skillfulness with which you meet it? Mm -hmm. Can you just keep breathing and doing your yoga? Are you kidding yourself? You know, I'm not... It was different. I felt mm-hmm. at times I needed to reach out here. I wanted to connect. So I never felt like the yoga was the be all and end all. Although mm-hmm. everything I've ever done, I can take back to my practice. So it's never made my practice irrelevant. Do you know what I'm saying? Or that mm-hmm. I'm beyond it, but it's it has always been an enhancement I have felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, it's beautiful
1: when i my um my first couple of weeks when i i got to taiwan i was i was teaching yoga there and i went to a um a chinese medical doctor and he was doing my chi you know where they do your your blood pressure or whatever and
2: you take your pulse, take the pulse yeah
1: and oh yeah that's right yeah take the pulse <laughs> and um pump 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 the blood pressure and, it was like, oh. and he's and he turned he turned to me and he said oh your chi is very unusual. <laughs> I was so geeked; it was like right out of a kung fu movie on Saturday morning, and I was like, "Oh, that's so wild." I've been, t- but that's been...
2: great. Unusual is not a judgment, it's right? Like... No, nobody
1: had to like. You had to do like do a double take. It was like this is unusual chi. Yeah,
2: you know, I went to a Chinese doctor who was very old when I was teaching um, Waldorf in California in san francisco and he had been the one he'd come from hong kong who wrote the test when they decided to um, actually give people licenses to you know and uh so he was quite elderly so i went to him and i was in my i think i was in my early 40s he -hmm. said to me you know you're much younger than your age you could have a child as if this was the great accomplishment. of <laughs> And I said, well, thank you. You know, that's, yeah. how, that's what he said to me that I would say probably came from yoga. Yeah. From a, of the
1: Absolutely. Vitality. Yeah. And Maybe Harmony could said. have another baby too. <laughs> Maybe. I think that's so wild the way that they can, they can feel with their thumbs, you know, right on your hand and touch there. And then like, Oh, they can see if you're pregnant or not. And it's a real, it's a real true test. It's valid. And
2: and they've been around a long time, you know, the Chinese system, just like the Ayurvedic system. Mm -hmm. They recognize things that doctors don't know. It seems
1: like it would be a good idea to know how to do that.
2: They can even tell you the sex of the baby. They can't, I, I didn't good. know that. That's, That's amazing. It gives me goosebumps actually. It's yeah. <laughs> amazing. And,
1: and so you studied a fair bit of Chinese medicine. Harmony and I both were crazy about it. We both really wanted to <laughs> do it. I apprenticed, Harmony was looking into going to school, but you actually you actually studied uh, acupressure.
2: Well, but Jin Shin Jitsu is from a Japanese root, but okay. it's Buddhist, it's from a Buddhist root. It turns out then in the ancient text. That were uh, that this particular um, teacher uh, who developed this, he was sent at some point. I don't exactly, I guess he was a regular healer in some way to work to go and help the emperor's brother. Mm -hmm. Now, because of the way it used to be, you couldn't, he couldn't be in the same room with the emperor's brother, he couldn't see him. No. Mm-hmm. so he had been working with these ancient uh, Buddhist mudras and he gained access to the library, the emperor's library. And through that, because he had already had a lot of experiences through these mudras, through that, he saw that all of this work that he was developing, I don't quite know. It doesn't seem like in intellectual <laughs> way. It seems yeah. like it was in another in. I don't know. It just seemed somehow different because it's very deep and profound. Now you've traveled a lot and taught as well, right? In, yeah, both of the us. Until pandemic or oh, until the pandemic. Until yes. the pandemic. You were in
1: the <laughs> harmony was in the Ukraine. Yeah, Ukraine. When was the, the last when place the, I was
2: before the
3: pandemic.
0: When and, the
1: pandemic hit and wow, and made... got stuck in an airport, nearly had to had to live in the Ukraine for the rest <laughs> of your life. And uh, never right. almost didn't make it out. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't last person out. Yeah. You see
2: this insanity. Yeah. It's so absolute sad. insanity. It is. And suffering. Yeah. It's awful. I, I think the world is, you know, it is, it's crazy. That's yeah. like Guruji <laughs> said one time. I think it was after 9 11 and he was in New York to dedicate Eddie Stern's mm. Ganesha yeah. Temple. Right. He said, you let the world take care of itself you watch your anus or you yes. take care of your anus you let the world take care of itself and i think about that sometime the world is crazy in a yeah. lot of ways there's good wow. people who have good hearts and good intentions but it feels like if you don't do that work if you don't keep cultivating mm-hmm. our better natures mm-hmm. yeah, then you just i don't know I don't know but it, it's it's frightening to me but to see all those poor people you know really and you knew you know some of them
0: yeah
1: yeah, yeah. good students yeah. we know a lot of people in saint Petersburg and moscow we know a lot of great students and great people i mean
0: the sad thing is is i think like you know it's not even it's not like the russians and the ukrainians don't get along like they're quite friendly with each other like many many russian ukrainian like so many students Ukrainians that i know are like to
1: classes yeah in would russia.
0: travel like from russia to ukraine or ukraine to russia to take workshops right. and so it's not like they're n- enemies or anything
2: it's just it's
1: the Putin's world politics made
2: like a war out of nothing you know what well, and the sad thing well i guess he wants back his original empire right but, <laughs> but the thing well, is, is Kiev that- has
1: been there a lot longer than moscow <laughs>
2: Yeah, and the sad thing is, is a lot of, well, not sad. I mean, it's a good thing that a lot of Russian people are taking to the streets to yeah. oppose it, uh-huh. although they're not taking kindly. The no. government's not taking kindly. Good. Yeah, they've
1: arrested thousands and thousands of people in Moscow. That's
2: I know. So that, that's really something that you were there. My heart, it really, yeah. oh, yoy, yoy. Yeah. it's heartbreaking. I just know he didn't want them to join. Putin didn't want them to join uh, NATO. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because that weakens him further and isolates him further. He
2: would never be able to get it back without all of the yeah. rest yeah. of the world. Yeah, anyway, yeah. we are living in quite the times. We are. Canada was in the news big time with the big truck. <laughs> yes, I so know. there's been, yes. you know, there's a lot of stuff yeah. that's been going on. Well, I'll tell you, we need yoga more than ever yes. when times are, are tough. And I I feel so grateful to have this practice. Yeah. That this is, you know, And again, we get taken back to our roots because mm-hmm. for a long time, we couldn't gather yeah, to practice. Right. You could that's... practice together. but yeah.
1: Well, I really felt that reading about you and learning about you, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure who introduced me to the idea of you. I don't know if it was Johnny or JB or Ann Finstead. Johnny's
2: a good friend of mine. Johnny Smith yeah Yeah, johnny smith
1: somebody said oh you've got to talk to kathy oh no
2: no you know who told me it was was casey palmer (gasps) oh i taught for him for six years i think up in portland and he and i are are good
1: friends and he oh for the podcast
2: oh yeah but for back but oh. back
1: in the oh did casey call you about this
2: oh that's so nice he called me in fact i have to let him know i'm doing this he <laughs> called me to say he had met you and just how wonderful you were yeah we oh. love him and uh he's he's such a sincere great guy he's he actually took guy. over for me one year in sri lanka oh wow I left yeah. and he came for march and maybe part of april he's a real sweetheart yeah, really, I'd well, love to hear how you got to Sri Lanka.
1: But, but I meant, <laughs> but I, I let's ask, but like what I meant was, I think about 10 years ago, maybe eight years ago, someone told me about Kathy Cooper and, and I might had have this Johnny might've been Johnny. And I had this group of young 20 something year old yoga teachers who were going to go into a title one environment school district and teach yoga to kids who we're you know kind of struggling with english as a first language and I, and i thought i need to introduce them to a real powerful female matriarchal shunga yoga teacher who's been in the schools and you were just perfect to me you were like the ideal mm-hmm. woman to introduce to these to these young women and for that reason because you'd been in it and i'm so sorry it didn't work out <laughs>
2: What's funny about it, which you put, I guess you don't remember this, but I said to you as a Waldorf teacher, I would never teach kindergartners the series right. ever. I would right. play with them, yeah, doing yoga. And when I taught, we would go to the land of the animals, you know, in the right. second grade. And yeah, and yeah. every now and then somebody'd say, Are we doing yoga? And i go, Shh, <laughs> you're a little frog and you're, yeah. you're a fly, you know. But so I wouldn't teach it and i know sonia was so grateful that she had healed her from
1: ashtanga yeah from ashtanga a hundred percent we just ended up teaching animals and like playing and having a good time.
2: right exactly 100%. so yeah. but anyway i know that somebody complained that it was teaching religion in the school so yes and that whole thing <sighs> yeah was that and then we too. got
1: sued that was amazing yeah. <laughs> to be in court that summer that was awesome <laughs> We won the court case. Oh, good. It was really When I mean, when I say awesome, I mean, horrifically frightening.
2: <laughs> I'm glad you won the court case. I yeah. think I think yoga is so much appreciated mm. in so many from so many points of view that mm. that's great. I love yeah. hearing, but it still didn't fly. No,
1: well, we, we couldn't do these. We couldn't do Sanskrit. It was um, the judge, Judge Meyer. He said to us, Look, um, I can see how yoga can be uh, religious um, y. You know, like, you know how Stephen Colbert would say, truthy. Truthy. It's, and there's some truthiness. <laughs> it can see how it's a little religious y. The, the way it's being done in Encinitas is not being done in a religious way. However, the uh, curriculum is entirely in control of the Encinitas School District. Um, so we're, we're winning the course. Oh, uh, the, the case is being decided in your favor. And then on appeal, um, it was also, it was a very limited appeal about whether or not Judge Meyer's ruling was, was correct. And it won an appeal as well. So it's really the precedent for it nationwide because that was the California uh, appellate court. The, the precedent is quite strong for the rest of the country to be able to teach yoga in the schools if the school district is in charge of it.
2: Aha, uh-huh. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, not that's not an Ashtanga yoga curriculum. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay.
2: Very interesting. Yeah. Okay. With
1: no Sanskrit. No Sanskrit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just some tree and that's frog That's the dividing
2: puzzles. line, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, no,
2: nobody will know what you're saying if it's in Sanskrit.
1: We put up a photograph of Patanjali with the yoga sutras. And that got spotted by a fellow from the, a, a hard right uh, Christian community. And uh, that's when the, the, they, they, pounced, they pounced on it. They took photographs What's and then we got sued.
2: What's interesting to me is growing up, I never knew that there was a far right. I never knew that there was this religious right. I think it developed as years went on. I mean, I knew there were Baptists and people that were uh, from the South. Like I never knew about it was that it was associated with a a a political party. All of this developed over time, and it seems pretty polarized. Yeah, I think that whole movie, Mrs. America, with
0: about Phyllis Schlafly, really highlights how before. That movement Do you against remember
1: that the, when the yeah. there was an equal rights amendment being pushed around the country and um, it was in 1969 I think no
0: 1979
1: it? and it was a whole movement to kind of get get women you know um, this exactly the same rights it was going to be a well a it's constitutional still not amendment.
2: passed right still <laughs> not passed <laughs> because, because still... Phil
1: Schlafly politicized it as yeah. a wedge issue. Mm-hmm. And as an anti, and she went full anti-feminist. it's like she, she invented the anti-feminist but um, she also, backlash.
0: She also teamed up with like the, the religious, religious organizations, organizations in and order then politicize to politicize them. Yeah. So it was really the creation of this like interesting religious right movement.
1: Yeah.
2: I know it's just, uh, I mean, it's just pathetic to me, but it's amazing. I mean, to me, it all seems to be fed by fear. Yeah. fear of tradi- losing traditional values yeah fear i
1: would of- i would argue even yes. that it's it's at brute white supremacy white supremacism oh, a-
2: you're absolutely right on that i would say that they're hand in hand but that's yeah. also like totally fueled
0: the, by fear
1: that's where the fear comes from is that you're going to lose your white supremacy
0: yeah you're going to lose you're right you're fear absolutely of difference, fear yeah. of not having power, fear of, you know, all kinds of things. Your
1: kids (laughs) are going to twerk. I was in
2: uh, (laughs) Sao Paulo teaching and I went to the, to this film. I'm not your Negro about James Baldwin. Oh, it's a really powerful movie. And I saw it with them and they were shocked Mm. by how America treated black people. And one thing I always loved going to Brazil is people are every color. Nobody ever said to me, oh, where are you from? I could have been Brazilian just easily because they really have people that have come from everywhere. No one ever asked me that. And you could just see, it wasn't just like the lighter you are, the upper, more, you know, higher your health. It wasn't that there. And I loved it. I, I felt, I went there for seven years until the pandemic came. And I just love that you
0: know, yeah like, i love brazil too they were it's such so a different and interesting delightful. yeah interesting country full of like you say like like you can't tell who's brazilian and who's not brazilian
2: because everybody right. and the women have really because they're very family oriented still but the women have come into their power in yeah more and more there's a lot of strong mm-hmm. brazilian i mean Practitioners that yeah. I thought were fabulous,
1: yeah, amazing. I would, I would just add, if I could just add to that the the James Baldwin's book Another Country was my one of my favorite books when I was in, in university, and it was it was the first thing I'd ever read that really graphically explored uh, male homosexuality, and uh, James James being a triple threat, you know, he's an artist, he's black, and he's gay. I mean, it's a real problem for him as a person. And he would right. explore how problematic this country is when you live in another country. Right. Because he lives in a different country than, than, white, than white people do. Right. Yeah. Oh, I
2: know. And we watched something last week about Josephine Baker, mm. who was a dancer and a singer yeah. from America to begin with. She Living in France. She lived a wonderful life in Paris. Yeah. But when she came back to the United States... She was immediately yeah. Know, segregated. It, yeah. So really is, uh, as Miles takes,
1: Davis called it, the same old bullshit back home. You yeah, mm-hmm. exactly.
2: So there's plenty of people that recognize we're all in it together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And including, you know, these countries, these borders, this power tripping, all mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, And then yeah. there's this other, I want to, I'm hoping that it's burning out on its own momentum. The great last stand yes. of uh, white supremacy. Of oh. supremacy. Yeah. I don't know that it is, but with all my heart, it feels like there's too many good forward thinking, caring about our earth, climate, re, strong, wanting to do be sustainable in all ways mm-hmm. that that other has just got to I don't know what one by one. Is it one by one? Wake up. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Yeah, Yeah. hopefully. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear. So when did
0: you start traveling and teaching? You said you started teaching in your sixties. So what happened
2: was. uh, Prem Carlisi was Mm -hmm. leaving Sri Lanka because Fred uh, Lewis, who was from California and I'd met him a little bit and he, we, we were kind of in extended circles from each other, but we weren't friends. Mm -hmm. And he um, and Prem had collaborated and Prem had built a shala Mm -hmm. on his his, uh, little resort. Mm -hmm. And so Prem left. I didn't even know it. And four different friends of mine said to Fred, you should have Kathy Cooper go Mm
3: -hmm. to. Unbeknownst
2: yeah. to me, yeah, and there, I had just stopped teaching Waldorf. Okay, so I was, you know, I just realized that I was just tired of teaching cu- these curriculums. I'd been doing mm-hmm. it. It's a very disciplined life. Or it was. Mm-hmm. For me. I mm-hmm. wasn't so gifted that I could just, you know, keep it all going. So I, I, got just. It got to the point where I'd have to take my attention to really focus, and I knew I, I just had had enough. Mm-hmm. So. The next thing I knew, uh, Fred and then at the time he was with Mira, they came and visited me in Mill Valley. Mm-hmm. I was still teaching a little bit at that time, and they we had a conversation, and I was invited to come mm-hmm. for the next winter. So what I did, I took on the role of um, all the well, not that many people knew about it at the time, but. Uh, I took on the role of getting people places to stay there mm-hmm. finding out what their practice were, because I had to set some criteria. You yeah. couldn't just show up for two days if you had no experience right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. to a couple of weeks, you know, whatever it all was. So that happened. And then it built over time. And then unfortunately the last year I was there, You know, I don't know if I handled it right or not, because in the moment it was like a a Dakini experience where I got the rug pulled out from under me. Right. But one of the local people who mentally was not well, Mm. he he strode in and it was just the beginning of this great season. He was breaking all the dishes in the kitchen and he drove his car. He tried to run down this other teacher. I mean, it was just awful. And oh. then he said he was going to call immigration because, right. and I realized later we were in a private place. We were not, uh, this wasn't for the public. Mm. We could, mm-hmm. I'm sure it would have been okay, but it scared me mm-hmm. because I didn't want to be banned from a country. Right. Or yeah. something. So I chose to uh, step away and we were just doing fantastic. It was, mm. it was an alternative it was like it was like India light.
1: Yeah, you I don't agree.
2: have a to say there were garbage cans. <laughs> right, it's it's, <laughs> you know it's, I mean? it's
1: it's very clean, but you're also in India, and it's it's yeah. An, yeah.
2: It, it has it's a mixture of things. Right. But there yeah. was quite an underbelly, a local underbelly. I I found out about it as time went on, and I read many many historical novels there, but you know they were at war for many yeah. years. Yeah. I learned a lot, and it's a beautiful, oh. It's a beautiful island. It's gorgeous, gorgeous and island. So anyway, I, I, I thought back about it, and had I not been afraid of what they would do to us, mm. I maybe would have said, you know, we could have worked out a strategy.
3: Mm-hmm. But
2: at the time, it was like. Whoosh. So my assistant was back there the next year, and just staying away from this person who okay. was wow.
1: a little bit. <gasps> I've often balance. thought that, I mean, yeah, I've spent, I guess, 10 years of my life in, in, as an expat, actually, maybe now I'm up to 14 now with Canada. And I often think about like being in traffic and wanting to beat the shit out of somebody. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, I'm a, i am I, I could really get into a lot of trouble if yeah. I get in, if I do this. And like really, like really wanting it though, you know, like.
2: No, no, it's crazy the way they drive in Sri Lanka. There's, Uh you know, mostly there's, there's now a highway. I don't know how much is being used. There's one lane each way and people pass, they go right down the middle. And these Uh people are driving super fast. So Uh after a while, you're like, oh my God. And, you know, there was, I'll never forget somebody who was from Spain and he'd been in the military he started screaming and yelling, you know, because he said, where's the seatbelts? No, 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 no. You know, it was like, he was trying to create <laughs> safety. that felt safe. And there was right. not no happening there. Now. Yeah. I know. Oh. And this shows us, doesn't it? You know, oh, there's a little work I need to do here. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm losing yeah, a little,
1: completely. A seed of violence in <laughs> Rusty's heart. Yeah. Like he, needs to, he needs to do something about that.
2: No, I know. I know. Jack Cornfield always said, you know, if you're in traffic or whatever, you could just send out blessings to the people. <laughs> yeah. So I you love could. it when I remember yeah. that because it's like, okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. There are other options. Yeah. You know, I got into
1: a I got into a fight with that. Harmony's dad over the weekend and I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't sleep for two days. I kept thinking about it over and over again. It's like, but it was the same little You were seed. actually
0: in a fight with yourself. My father was not fighting.
1: Oh, sure he was. We were fighting. No,
0: yes, we no. were fighting. We were in his mind. You, he wasn't fighting. But you
1: also can't hear how <laughs> elevated his voice is. But if we're our both of our voices are elevated, we're both fighting, even if he isn't aware that he's fighting.
2: Right. (laughs) Okay. even if
1: he sees the bigger picture. he Right. But if I'm yelling at your dad that what he's saying is bullshit, (laughs) we're having a fight. So but it's like it was the same like
0: a debate.
1: Yeah, I guess he does. (laughs) But it's still like that little. This is uh I wonder if this is enabling behavior. I'm not sure, but this is in my heart, it's the same little like seed of violence that's still there that needs to be and then
2: you hurt for days afterwards,
1: right? For having
2: ha- having succumbed to that exactly,
1: again. Yeah, yeah. I've seen you know that'll teach
2: blown it. I mean, hopefully, it's like sometimes you say something and afterwards you go, Wow, that was insensitive. Then you burn <laughs> for days from yeah. that. On. And you realize when you're on, I think when you're on a conscious path, you do something, somebody else might've let it blow by, but you know, in your own heart that, oh, that is yeah. painful. Yeah, it is. I, hear it. I definitely yeah. hear you. And we are human, mm. right? Yeah. And we do, hopefully we just grow through these things. hmm you know, mm-hmm. to think we're holier than now and that we sit around, you know, and just like I used to not want to be enlightened. I wanted to be my natural self. Right. But I'd look around, I'd say, what do these people do besides just sit around? all day?" <laughs> that doesn't appeal to me at all. That's not what I can imagine wanting to do is. I mean, I look back on it now, but it was like everything was about enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, for years. It felt like and I'm going. Well, actually, that's not really that's not appealing. My picture of it is not appealing. Right. That's
1: you know? interesting. It really comes down to like your definition of what enlightenment is. And if it's
2: that's exactly right.
1: Going into some kind of ecstatic trance and not being verbal <laughs> for the next 20 years where you're just kind of, you know, vibrating, or a realization that you have stuff to work on. Like they you could say that you could argue that both of those places are enlightened places. It's like oh, oh, yeah. I have stuff to yeah. work on. I need to start working on that. Well you know I'm when I read about Ramana,
2: Ramana Maharshi mm-hmm. he had a complete awakening and he was discovered uh, how I don't know how long he was there in a cave with with vibrating eating him starving yeah. to death rats yeah. eating at his legs and, yeah. and he didn't even that none of he he didn't yeah. care so totally then, cool as yeah. he was brought out by his devotees or whatever yeah. these people he was there to you know give amazing and everybody revered him there's no question about it and at the same time you felt like he was completely unattached I mean right. com- I, completely and yeah. by that I, I can't say that you know, he's a, an example of someone that I didn't appeal to be the lifestyle. Maybe yeah. a lot of it is the trickster ones who kind of pretend. I don't really right. know. But I'm and not they're... sure
1: that you want Ramana Maharshi like looking after a schoolroom of kids either. <laughs> no,
3: that's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not your best candidate for a kindergarten, <laughs> you know? They would, they would all just
0: like be you know there's always those stories of when you're in his presence all the questions leave your mind and you sort of enter into his own like samadhi vibration so They're he, he beat, would actually be a very good they would, shidari, they would beat exactly, on teacher
1: with like exactly. plastic baseball bats until he'd like well, what the fuck
0: are you doing I don't think so i think they just turn
2: into like like well these, yeah because they in, like, beings. i'm <laughs> far they too cynical so powerful that you couldn't help yeah. But in this know. field. You don't know. But you don't you read don't enough know. about spiritual masters. That's a problem. That's, that's your musical. new, that's your new assignment. No, I just, but I
1: I just finished nine texts on Dune, which yeah, is all no, about spiritual masters.
2: Read
0: about real ones.
2: <laughs> you know, I'll tell you this one story. Did you ever read the chicken soup for the soul? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, a lot around. of them came out. And there was one story I've never forgotten. This woman was in an automobile accident somewhere in the Northeast where, and it was crowded Mm -hmm. and she was out of her body Mm
3: -hmm.
2: observing that everybody around her was, you know, upset about it. Mm -hmm. And one woman was praying for her Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and she, in her state of being out of her body, she noted the license plate. So this woman healed and she eventually went to the door of the woman with a bouquet of flowers to thank her mm-hmm. wow. for being that one person that was praying for her. Mm. That was really moving to me. Oh. Incredible. That level of what a difference. Mm-hmm. Instead of all of that yeah, mm, yeah, and no, me, and I want to, you know, yeah. to just remember that wow, here's somebody's heard who knows what? And I don't know. I just thought that I can it's, do this it was an inspiration, right? To- yeah. Yeah.
0: Like how to, how to embody peace and be peace in the world and be that healing force. And like, you know, I think sometimes we, we think a lot about it as yoga practitioners and we talk a lot about it, but then like, when it comes right down to it, it's like, are you being it? Are you really exactly. like bringing it, you know,
2: exactly. like bring it. Right. And that's what it gets down to. And that's what makes this path very beautiful. I mean, Mm -hmm. one thing in Hawaii, when I was practicing, at one point I was down in this screened in house, and this horse from next door in the pasture used to come all the time and stand by me. Amazing. (laughs) In my room upstairs, (laughs) I used to have little birds hit the window.
3: I mean, um, I couldn't
2: understand it actually. I, to this day I don't know that I can. But when I was in Sri Lanka teaching, I'll never forget. I forget what the monkeys are called, but they're about this big. And oh they have God. this haircut. I, um, I, I can't remember anymore. They're really something really yeah. big. They have a monkey, so are they the langu monkeys? Maybe Langur? Yeah, maybe something like and that. And so I, I was sitting with a group. I I used to teach um um, Baba, Baba Haridas, mm-hmm. I used oh. to teach this very basic, really nice pranayama that mm-hmm. he did because anybody could do it. Yeah. Yeah. So people were interested at the end of practice, mm-hmm. I would have this circle and we would do certain things. And there was a, a one of those, I think, langur monkeys yep. sitting up on the roof next to us. So he was up on the roof, but he could see in and he mm. just watched us. Mm. He was very interested. And he didn't just like watch us and then be gone because they can be very mischievous, monkeys. Yeah. yeah. They can, but he was really interested. And I remembered thinking to myself, there's some attunement, there's some connection here through the breath. It must be the breath or the presence mm-hmm. that they really vibe with. Right. Yeah. And I yeah. just thought, oh.
3: You
1: know, That's that beautiful. that reminds me of a, a story. I'm not even sure I've ever told Harmony this story. Um, I was, I think I must have been 25 and I was in Austin, Texas and I would used to uh, go down into the Green Belt, which is uh, the limestone is cut away by all these I little I know, rivulets.
2: I've been to Austin. Okay, yeah. Like yeah. somebody begins with a B.
1: Barton Springs and you right, s- right. start Barton Springs and you can wander for miles to those Green Belts. And I remember, Uh, I used to go down there and do yoga because I was trying to, you know, be David Swenson, you understand. (laughs) And so I do yoga on those rocks. I do all these third series postures on the rocks and the rivers and things like that. And, and I was sitting, I was sitting, I was doing a meditation practice kind of submerged in the water for a little while. And I thought I would just sit and I was, I was kind of tripping out a little bit. It was kind of cool. I wasn't high, but I was I was deep,
2: expanded, you know, deep, expanded,
1: okay. and it was a little, a little vibratory, and it was cool, <laughs> and, and I was just sitting there, very, very chill, and very, having a very nice time. My my lotus is underneath the water. My hands are just resting in my laps, in my lap, and then just about twenty feet away, I saw this um, moccasin bring its head up above well, the water water moccasin. Water, moccasin water moccasin texas water moccasin bring that's its head up above the water and take a real good look at me and like he's thinking or she's thinking well that's curious haven't seen that before <laughs> and then she just wandered off i was that's like that's well, powerful that's cool i just had i just had a kind of face to face interaction with a
2: What does that tell us that there's something different going on? It's not just doing a bunch of calisthenics,
1: but it affects energy around us. I think when
2: you're like really
0: practicing yoga, like, like really not, like you say, just doing aerobics or exercising or, you know, hanging out and making fancy positions with your body. Mm
3: -hmm. Um,
0: But like really in it, your mind and your breath and your you're changing that like vibration and that Mm -hmm. resonance. And, and it reminds me of like St. Francis of Assisi or something, Mm -hmm. right? Like someone who can vibrate at that level where, where the animals are, are just like become peaceful and drawn to you and, and recognize this very peaceful, you know, kind of connected vibration or something.
2: Absolutely. I, when Mm -hmm. I was uh, teaching in Waldorf, we always taught about the life of St. Francis Mm -hmm. so i started reading some other little books about him and he used to be in his quote quote cell or whatever it was called and he'd be levitating wow Mm -hmm. like he was in deep in this prayer levitating and he'd have that horse hair yeah because at the time that meant you know you're trying to not care about the body's needs and all that Right. Anyway, I always thought, God, he'd be in there levitating. They'd come in and me practically be up on the roof, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, one of the things I've thought about a lot is that yoga wants to be done. I really Mm -hmm. feel that. And the thing that I recognize is that it doesn't matter that the years go on, it's not about having arrived anywhere. I just have to do this practice. Mm -hmm. And even if, it's not, since the pandemic, I have a different way that I do it a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's really been fun to me because, you know, I have practiced for over 45 years. (laughs)
1: And
2: I also swim regularly. Swimming is something that I've added in. And I was able to do that also during the pandemic. And I love the combination Mm -hmm. of the two. But anyway, it's just like, it's just has to be done. It's not like a bad addiction. It's just my, it's like, I've done this for so long, but this is what wants to happen. Right. This practice and that Mm -hmm. dropping in, like you say, and that coming Mm -hmm. to attention and it has nothing to do about anything, but it just is the way it is. (laughs) is, Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That, and I think sometimes that's, I could say that that I believe in my own experience has come from knowing from the beginning, when I did this practice, that I did it because I loved it, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that that's just what it is. If I'd used it to beat myself up, Oh, you didn't do right. right, right." Mm -hmm. It it would have been just another way of being harmful to myself. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh Self-flagellation, but to Mm -hmm. actually go, Hey, I'm doing this. I'm doing it because I, want to Right, is a completely different attitude and then it's not like a struggle it mm-hmm. just it doesn't even mean nowadays that it looks like it did five years ago but right. great practice and yeah. <laughs> and you know and i'm at i have my my uh tm meditation first yeah most amazing. often now i'm doing a little pranayama first yeah. and then i do my practice and it works but mm-hmm. it's just that sense that it does keep developing it's very alive and real mm-hmm. over time right yeah I think we talk- it's
0: such a blessing too that you had you know a career as a teacher and you didn't have to like turn the yoga into something you relied on to you know feed your family because i feel like there's that that little shift, that little switch when you're relying on the yoga to pay your bills, you know, puts a lot of pressure on you as a practitioner, as a teacher, um, that kind of sucks the joy out of it a little bit. I can understand that. Then it becomes something that you're using. Like you have to, especially these days, you know, there's so much promotion and the, it's like a constant, um, wheel of, of,
1: or a title pool.
0: Yeah. Something that you're, you're needing to be on and involved in that in a way kind of makes the yoga work rather than no, I, like a I spiritual path.
2: Yeah. It
1: makes it work. No, it doesn't make it work.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's it. You know, years ago, the Sufi guy came to the school when I was teaching, uh, Waldorf, in uh, Marin County, my first school. And, uh, you know, he, he, he was a what do you, you know, he played the drum, he did the zikers and the kirtans mm-hmm. and all these different things. I think they called it kirtan, is one of theirs. Maybe it's another name besides zikr and it's not kirtan. I, it's been a while since I've done mm. this. But anyway, <laughs> he, he said, you know, I reached a point where I found it was stressful to try and make a living doing this. So uh-huh. he started a you know a sweater shop or something at the time <laughs> that was perfectly viable in San Francisco. And right. he said now I do this and and I connect with people but I don't it doesn't have to happen yeah. in order for me to keep it together. So I can uh-huh. understand that even if you're popular yeah uh-huh. right even if That's you're totally. a popular teacher totally. it's still a demand yeah. yeah that's why when it, when i taught for 10 years traveling a lot i purposely did not teach when i came back here because i just wanted to practice you just so rest I and practice. practice and if you're always on yeah the practice somehow gets relegated a little bit to the yep. side if you don't want it to or right. i think you can get worn out mm-hmm you
1: know, yeah. Burnt out. Maybe as you're as
2: young well. enough and strong enough. That's not the case. It. <laughs> burnout's real. Burnout, Burnout is real. Though. Yeah. It is real.
1: I it's wanted I wanted to ask you. Sometimes you hear you hear um some teachers of your generation say, you know, Richard or um uh maybe David Roche. They say, you know, I've I've only got about seven postures that I do anymore. What is it, what does your practice actually look like? I mean.
2: Wow. I would never say that. Um, it's once the, it's only since the pandemic happened that I would uh, mostly when I was practicing in just a Shala doing Mysore, I would do second series. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, then I always would do my, I mean, do um, primary somewhere along the line. I just mostly didn't get the juice out of primary after years of wow um, and I stopped doing pretty much doing advanced I do a few poses here and there but I kind of stopped somewhere along the line yeah somewhere in my 60s or it was just (laughs) I just didn't feel like doing it even though some poses I love so what's happened during the pandemic is I didn't get up so early to practice for one thing and I was dealing with getting hungry, and then I was trying to right. make get up earlier, because I wasn't used to being hungry when I was. Yeah. <laughs> so I started playing around with it. And what I discovered was I like doing a certain amount of primary, and then I like doing a certain amount of second. Yeah. And I then, no matter what I do every single day, I do pentomyrosana. I do myrasana mm-hmm. and I also, and handstand, and, you know, backbending and stuff, mm-hmm. but I also just recently took in uh, Chakaranda, because I hadn't been doing that for a long time, mm-hmm. and then I was just looking at, uh, it's been so long since I've practiced it, that uh, the first series, because they, in the shanga, you call it something different. Vishvamitraasana. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah does wow.
2: Everybody else call it in the world. Vashistasana. Yeah yeah,
3: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's how English. Anyway, anyway yeah.
2: so I just started doing that one again, and it was like, oh yeah, well that moves me differently. So mm-hmm. what would happen is my practice could easily be mostly 45 minutes to an hour.
1: Wow. Know,
2: I felt great,
1: wow. and I would also
2: do because you did I that in 45
1: minutes to an hour.
2: No, but you don't, you have to understand. I'm taking a section of primary. I'm taking a section of second. The next day I might do another section of primary Uh, and another. What I discovered didn't work was doing um, uh, salutations and standing and then going straight to leg behind my head. It's not that I couldn't do it, but I could tell my body i could feel my knees the next day not that they were and and i went no 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 but for years yeah. (laughs) yeah a little warm up for five years when i did advanced i never did first series i never did second series i did three of each salutation and i never did a standing post i saw peter yeah. sanson do that in the shallow in my son yeah. actually
1: i did that in my 30s too i just skipped the standing and just went straight he's into like
0: the advanced. Is basically triangle exactly <laughs> she's just in a side
2: angle exactly <laughs> exactly just
1: jump in right. why not
2: and was he doing it without all the vinyasas and the breakdown that yeah, he would do the vinyasas
0: between the postures, but he just did only some citations and then right into it.
2: Uh-huh. Well, then- what happened was when the way that third and fourth series were divided and taught, <laughs> they, um, it doesn't flow as well as the original mm. advanced day. I have to tell you, yeah, I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I had. I loved what we call advanced A three and four was probably my favorite practice. And it was just such strength and concentration. Yeah. Wow. I just loved it, absolutely mm-hmm. loved it. So sometimes you do see it done. Yeah, Are yeah, you? yeah, I've yeah, seen but, it, I've seen it for sure.
1: Also like, um, I think, I don't know if it was Alex Medine or Eddie Stern, but one of them told me that you would also like to do the feet behind your head, you put your your foot behind your head for Kashyabhasana. And then just do all five poses. That's
2: what I do, and it's fabulous. But see, fabulous you have and to fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you have to be, you have to be strong enough. I mean, and open enough. Yeah, to that it's it. not falling off in between. And also yeah. all the arm balances. We used to go up and down. Just headstand, like bang, bang, bang. I never bang. once did a vinyasa. Right. Yeah, and that's
1: again and fast. That, and
2: I was so strong. I mean, yeah. my arms. At the time, we it was kind of before the fashion of women being, you know, built. Yeah. I lived before wise, Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was before all that, and you know, I windsurfed, so I was strong. I could yeah. do all the. I could learn to windsurf because I was so strong from having done all this practice. But mm-hmm. my arms. I remember it. There was this point. My arms didn't lie down right next to my because <laughs> I had so much muscle. <sighs> I was like. I don't mm. think this is really good. <laughs> oh, I just think it was so great. But I'm just saying, that's how, mm. you know, it, yeah. w- the way we did it was very strong. And mm. even in the Akhapata sasana in second, mm. yeah. we always held it five breaths up, five breaths down, and then five breaths lifting up. And yeah. I do it this to this day because it really develops strength and they've yeah. built the staying power. Yeah, yeah flip out of it so fast mm. i don't know some people may have endured being there but i don't know if you've ever surrendered you know what i'm saying you, there's yeah. ways of i know things have been quickened for a variety of reasons or mm. changed a little bit for different reasons yeah but i do know expediency has been one of them and I'm mm. accurate, that's always a good reason
3: yeah so, you know well
2: so i you know I, I can't help it. I think we do tend to teach the way we learn. If the mm-hmm. way we learn was positive and worked for us, yeah, 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 yeah uh, definitely, it builds a lot more strength. I think
1: the name of this podcast should be "Make It Work." <laughs> make Just it make it work. it work. Yeah, make it work. Like, make, make, it work don't Tim, make it work. Tim Gunn. <laughs> yeah. Make it work. You. Yeah.
2: It's mm-hmm. also it's uh, the discovery was inside when you make the practice your own. Mm -hmm. teaching you from the inside too in ways that were awe-inspiring to me Mm -hmm. even the brilliance of the order of the poses whatever because we didn't have as much outside opportunity and input and influence Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. for all the good that it is and maybe all the downsides that somebody else always knows better than you totally instead of just having your, your own connection to the practice you yeah know, I still think it's a wonderful practice yeah
0: it's really special to like not have i mean to just go off for periods on your own and just do your practice and not have like you know videos and your phone hands and on instagram your
2: and youtube <laughs> and like- right and that's part of promoting and yeah. staying visible. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. And, but just I'm to like, appear so, and just be with the practice.
1: I'm doing my sun salutations. I want to know what's going on in the Ukraine. That's all. <laughs> I want to know. I want to stay up to date. Russell, and- you're revealing yourself. <laughs> yeah, <right?
2: laughs> well, that's the thing, you know. That's the thing. One of the things that, besides the yoga, I've always loved gardening because it's also mm-hmm. in real time and it Mm -hmm. shows you what's next and what needs to be done. And then I taught children for a long time and you have to be in the now. They have Mm -hmm. to learn process. They have to surrender to being present. Mm -hmm. And that over and over again has been a a teaching. And I think if I hadn't had the yoga and all, I could have a tendency to have gone faster, be less great. All the things that it's turned out that I've loved have demanded that I surrender. To being eventually it becomes present yeah. you know? and yeah. that is the gift yeah that's the gift of our for our well-being so Absolutely. one way or the other you know maybe there's i do know when share sarah powers and her um husband ty they took a they got to a point where they would take a month off mm-hmm and, and not have any commitments or any right. checkings and just, yeah. you know, and you're young and maybe, you know, it's a different time of your lives to have that. You, you might not get that luxury. Right. I feel like Mysore
0: was a, a little bit like that for us, where we'd go to Mysore we I mean, even as, a, as a young mom, when I would bring my son, you know, you could get a nanny. I would have a nanny there. One of the local women who was brilliant and beautiful and be yeah. able to afford to have her there for eight hours, yeah.
2: <laughs> which oh, I could never afford in North America. I know. Hey, listen, I realized <laughs> in Brazil, in Sri Lanka, India, that if you have some means, mm-hmm. you have staff, you have helpers. Yeah. In this country, you can make a lot of money and still be super stressed out, just like you're saying in yeah. San Francisco, right. 2000 a month for whatever. But exactly. now it's worse. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and you're trying to do everything and be yeah. everything. Yeah. Exactly.
1: I could afford $2,000 a month for a one bedroom, but I had no way I could afford a nanny you know (laughs) it's ridiculous it's ridiculous nowadays
2: it's before it might be three thousand it would be yeah
1: probably triple (laughs) your apartment
2: was tripled when you left and (laughs)
1: you can imagine like you know an indian lady how happy she'd be to have two thousand dollars in a year you know
2: yeah well i don't know if it's changing in india now because when i was in goa last time at purple valley Mm -mm. i i found it quite prosperous and there were a lot of people from mumbai Mm-hmm. Yeah. the tech mm-hmm. industry i'm not saying there aren't some people living still right close to the land but yeah. there yeah. was there was plenty of money around there i uh, think I, that yeah. i heard a
0: statistic that india has the fastest growing middle class of any yes. it has
1: the <laughs> largest middle class in the world and the fastest at, growing at well. 600 million people are middle class mm-hmm. that's by the, their standard yeah
2: well wow that's amazing yeah, yeah. that's
1: yeah. twice the population in north america there's a
0: lot
2: of people there there's a lot of people. i know that's the moral of the i saw what's his name oh my god thurman robert thurman oh Oh, bob
1: yeah Yeah, Yeah.
2: he's the bob thurman i know is what he's known but i don't know him personally but i saw him he gave a talk at davies well is it Davies Hall in San Francisco? That's mm-hmm. symphony. Anyway, he gave a big talk in the auditorium. And he said that one thing people never give India credit for is that India feeds its people.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: I thought mm-hmm. that, you know, nice. mainly in the past, they have been vegetarian, whether or not that's changing mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. all the affluence. yeah, uh, I don't know. But that they actually fed their people was yeah. something yeah. that to honor them for, which... Yeah,
0: mm. that's nice. Um, that's
2: beautiful. That's well, beautiful. I just want to
1: say I I I just I don't think there's anyone there's anyone like like your generation. Like that 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 very special it's so <laughs> it's it's such a physically demanding practice, but it's also so spiritually and emotionally stretching. And there's such a, an incredible inquisitiveness about, about what it is to be human and to have a personality and have to interact with other people. I don't know of where where have we seen that else in in the in human culture and civilization. And I just it's an, it's incredible because I mean, even like you could say, like Tibetan nuns, they're not necessarily throwing their feet behind their head every day. And it's <laughs> <laughs> to an It's really incredible. And in, <laughs> I'm just incredibly impressed and I'm
0: Well, it's one thing too to have a, a deep spiritual practice and also have to live in the world and yeah you as know, well make a living and raise children and put food on the table and do the dishes and laundry and you know,
2: yeah. Yeah, all is. of it. It's a lot. I, <laughs> I know do you know who Adi Ashanti is? He's yeah. a spiritual teacher. I worked with him a lot. I've done retreats with him. Mm-hmm. One of the things he said. In times gone by, people like who were really, really questing would be supported. If you were in an ancient, yes. kid, you would be honored and recognized for this. Mm-hmm. But in this world, you might have a major awakening and you have to go through it yeah. and still maintain. And yeah. I did have an experience some years ago that, that was a huge opening for me. Mm-hmm. And I was crying all the time, but it wasn't bad. It was just a release. Things were really opening up. But I had to keep working. Yeah. I had to keep doing things. And it was really hard. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what I do remember that when you have something profound mm-hmm. and open, but then you're still living, you still need to yeah. pay for everything in your life, you know? Yeah, so exactly. exactly. Yeah. It is an art to find. Anyway, but in the midst of it all, we just do our best to shine our lights and uh and and you're sharing with people doing that that's beautiful yeah i was invited Mm -hmm. to go to greece Mm. um but then there's reasons why for right now it's all postponed so we'll see Yeah. yeah but i mean and i'm invited to come back to some places that i was supposed to go before yeah when it all got canceled but who knows
0: yeah. Well, I'm well, sure you'll be out there traveling soon
2: enough.
1: Where? where how could people yeah. work with you if they wanted to, to well, seek you out? Well, that's
2: the challenge right now because <laughs> I don't offer Zoom. There's I so am. many classes that are taught, but I do feel like I need to take advantage of working differently than what I was used to working, which I like working in person with people. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and if I just drove across the Golden Gate Bridge, I could find you. Could I just come to your house and work?
2: Your- <laughs> well, you could. Yes, you could find me because I'm sure my. I think my phone number is on there. I, we could definitely <laughs> connect. <laughs> the yoga here is just barely. You know, we've just gotten rid of the mask mandates. Mm-hmm. And we're just starting mm-hmm. to be feel. It feels kind of normal out. All of a okay. sudden, restaurants are full of people again. Okay, and we're having fantastic weather which is not really what we need but um yeah this time need of rain, year, it's yeah. almost 70 degrees i mean wow. it's been amazing yeah. but so people are getting out yeah. and it feels really different than even a couple of months ago so yeah. i okay. we seem to be normalizing and i mm. hope and hoping that it just keeps moving in that direction for all yeah. of us so we can get out and about Yes. i think then,
1: culturally people have had just a about enough and so i think that's where we're at (laughs)
2: yeah (laughs) Yeah. i read some book came out in 2015 but i just heard about it that we've we felt dealt with these before and it's always when the people have had enough yeah uh, are shaken off the government's interference or whatever it's interesting i mean i wouldn't have even known that these things had happened as far back as the 1700s with smallpox oh yeah wow they had some idea that if they rubbed Uh, the in if they rubbed the stuff that's they called it a vaccine but they gave you Mm. more of it into any opening you had in your skin oh my god cure you well it killed a lot of people oh (laughs) my god (laughs) (laughs) i was reading about this going you're kidding me (laughs) but anyway maybe
0: there's always these like these fake
2: solutions or i don't (laughs) don't (laughs) even know all i know is i had no idea that yeah. these things wow. have happened before. So mm-hmm. the closest I know is the Spanish flu. But yeah, well, the
1: quarantine—it was uh, from the plague, and the the quarantine was a word that meant you know, like um, fourteen days. And
3: uh, right,
2: course. right, right, quar. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so they would they would take their their days to to stay away. Yeah. It, yeah. that's
0: interesting little I've he's
2: full heard. of interesting historical <laughs> facts <laughs> well, thank you really nice connecting
0: yes it was so yeah. wonderful to connect with you too thank you so much for coming on our show and
2: thank you for inviting me oh,
1: thank you, so all the best and, so uh, grateful
2: yeah me too you too absolutely okay so
0: thank you thanks for listening to this episode of finding harmony with me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.
3: Standing in eternity's shadow Watching the breaking waves There's a heart